That's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, is good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on a kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. This is a personnel issue. Ish. I think I really think it's just a, a player fit. Like I I think, and it again, is. this is this is partially his fault, right? These are his transfers yes. that he brought in, right? But I'm still saying I think this is just a whiff. I think this is just a whiff on you his part. You can't, you can't, it, you cannot whiff with this much talent. And I love Texas Tech. This is home. And I get to stay home. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing today? I am pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, now a couple days removed from the Suns playoff loss, so I'm doing okay. Yeah, yeah, we're doing it. I didn't bring it up on, on the last podcast, so so we're good. I appreciate it. I was still still sore at the time, so I'm, I'm, I appreciate you giving me a couple days to recover. So Yeah, and uh, we are continuing uh, our off-season uh, preview podcast series today with SMU, with Billy Embody from On3, who covers the SMU team, um, does a great job covering them. Billy, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. My Lightning uh, moved on in the playoffs. They were able to uh, come back against the Leafs, and so uh, I still get playoff hockey I care about. Yeah, I saw I saw your tweet. I was like, okay, this is good. I don't cover I – don't, I don't watch the hockey, but um, I'm supporting them through you. So that's, that's good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Matty B. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Um, but, man, we have a – I have a lot of questions. I mean, we have a lot of questions about this SMU team because it was just a fascinating year. And I, I remember texting you throughout the year, Billy, um, just about, you know, what's going on. I remember texting you after the Cincinnati loss and it was just like, this is awful. This is the worst. And, you know, they come back and they have a solid year, 24 and nine overall, 13 and four in what I would consider a really top heavy AAC um, beat Houston and then losing the second round of the, of the American tournament, missed the NCAA tournament and, uh, lost in the second round of the NIT. With all that being said, I think we start with the coaching change. I think we start with Tim Jankovic out, Rob Lanier in, um, how would, I think we can just start with Tim Jankovic. How would you describe the Tim Jankovic era overall and just kind of what led to this point? Yeah, you know, the Tim Jankovic era, I mean, came about in such a bizarre way with Larry Brown stepping down in the middle of the summer. Uh, and, and you know, that was years ago. And then they go on to win the AAC. They go on to make their NCAA tournament appearance. And from there, it was a total kind of 180 of what, you know, SMU fans were used to under Larry Brown, which was honestly, to keep it short and simple, uh, defense rebounding and efficient shot selection. Um, it became... A very wide open, um, unscripted offense that uh, produced in a way, and also um, would be very frustrating to watch if you're a fan. Uh, they they lost their defensive edge. They lost their edge in general. Um, you know, the the first couple of years of the era, they were certainly met with some tough situations with Shake Milton, Jare Foster, guys like that going down with injuries that changed their seasons. But from there, they never really replaced 
those guys that departed with elite talent and and players that could take SMU back to the tournament and recruiting suffered. Um, you know, honestly, there was never a press conference after any loss that involved them taking responsibility and saying we have to do a better job getting these players ready to go. Um, there wasn't much engagement with the fan base. It was honestly everything that Larry Brown did and kind of showed Tim Jankovich what the blueprint was to have a successful run at SMU. Um, he didn't. He didn't do quite honestly um, <laughs> until it really came to be where he was fighting for his job and. Uh, you know, they landed a couple key transfers in Kendrick Davis and, um, you know, Tyson Jolly before he left and, and guys like that, that at least showed some sort of life uh, and, and wanting to fight for some high level players. And, you know, those guys help. But at the end of the day, the, the SMU is very predictable under Tim Jankovic. You could see a loss coming after, you know, a big win like a Houston. Um, you could see a loss coming and, and, the excuse is coming, honestly. Um, there are a lot of them throughout his time. So frustrated the fan base, but uh, it's it's a new era now. And uh, I think the hire of Rob Lanier is kind of a complete 180 of what, um, at the very least, SMU fans are used to as far as mindset goes. I don't know if it'll work out, but it's at least going to be a 180 from that respect. When it came to heading into this year, you know, to, to me, it was to me, at least it was clear that with the transfers you bring in, you bring in Zach, not all Tristan Clark, all these guys, um, the weathers, uh, it was clear that Tim Jankovic, and I want you to, what, if you can confirm this or not, to me, it was clear that this was a make it or break it year in terms of whether he was going to stay on or not. But even like looking back, I even wonder, like, even if they made the tournament, would he have stayed? Yeah, that that's a, a tremendous question. I, I'm honestly, the year before this mm -hmm. one, was allegedly the make it or break it. He was going sure. into, you know, one year left on his contract. They could have moved on from him then. And honestly, not to sidebar too much, but if you look back, that's, you know, and again, we don't know if Rob Lanier is going to work out at SMU, but it's a pivotal moment because now the league is so different. You know, you're not hiring for a, a you know, a position that's going to go against Houston and Cincinnati and UCF every year. And, um, you know, who knows, maybe even Wichita leaves at some point. So it's a very different league that you're hiring for. Um, I think they could have gotten somebody on, on paper that that would, would have been better then. Um, but but look, I think if he makes the NCAA tournament, it's really hard for him not to come back. I know he retired um, and, and he, you know, hasn't landed anywhere. So it looks like he is retiring or at least I would say taking this year off. But, you know, is there still so much wear and tear as far as relationships go between fan base and him or, um, you know, some major benefactors in him that he doesn't return even with an NCAA tournament appearance? I think some people were honestly hoping that they make the tournament and he gets hired at his alma mater, Kansas State. I mean, that was mm -hmm. that was honestly what a lot of people were hoping for is an NCAA tournament run. Take him off SMU's hands and, uh, you know, you move on. And I think Kansas State made a terrific hire in Jerome Tang. Uh, but yeah, that is just a really difficult question to answer. I, my gut would tell me that he probably would have been back, um, you know, and, and just because, I mean, you make the NCAA tournament, I, I just don't think, you know, there's a way that they, they move on um, from him, uh, at least on their end of things. Yeah, that's 
and always an interesting hypothetical. Uh, but let's, let's talk about Rob Lanier for, for a bit. Obviously, he's only been on the job a couple months now. You've gotten to know, go, know him a little bit. Um, you mentioned him being a, one, a complete 180. Um, why do you think that is? What, what do you know about whether it's his style or whether it's his recruiting or just how he kind of approaches things? Yeah, I, I think the recruiting and, and now we're kind of starting to see it pick up. Um, you know, Kendrick Davis has obviously left, gone to Memphis. I mean, congratulations to him. I on, I heard he's got an outstanding NIL deal yeah. to go play for Penny Hardaway. Um, and there was really nothing SMU could do. Um, and not a lot that any program can do. But now they have this roster that we've seen some attrition that makes sense. We've seen uh, them bring in some transfers that, you know, I, I believe uh, – Three of the five were former four-star prospects, including Samuel Williams, Williamson, a former five-star. You know, a lot of these guys that they brought in, at the very least, are, are tough. They have size. They have athleticism. But their careers, just for whatever reason, haven't necessarily gone the way uh, they would have liked them to go. Um, and, and I think that's where it comes to the 180. Uh, this is a, a group that, you know, you, you bring in FAODG is their, is their latest addition. Uh, first team all Sun Belt um, in his one year at Troy. He had had some production at UTEP. But then mm-hmm. on the flip side of things, you know, they bring in somebody like Keon Ambrose uh, Hilton, who was at Alabama, very seldom used in his two years there. Um, and then Samuel Williamson, I mentioned his career didn't necessarily go as well as he would have liked at Louisville, of course. Xavier Foster, a uh, big man from Iowa State, is another uh, former four-star prospect who um, ran into some issues, you know, off the court there. Uh, and then they've, they've retain some of the roster that, you know, some people might kind of raise their eyebrows. A lot of people thought Franklin Aguane would move on. Darius McBride hasn't done much in his few years at SMU. Um, but then they have some nice young pieces in Zurich Phelps, Jalen Smith. Um, they have Zach Nuttall, who's looking to, you know, reestablish himself as a, as a really good, um, you know, basketball player, at least uh, coming off of that you know, conference play of the year and then kind of a down year this year in his first season at SMU. So, it, it, it really, though, I think from the start is was um, a pretty methodical, um, you know, uh, tenure uh, for him. He really didn't jump at the hot names. You know, we, we saw SMU would be mentioned with somebody that would be considered like a hot name, um, but that would be it. And I think that was a lot of the staff doing their due diligence. I think they really have a culture change to go through. Um, and that kind of stems back to what I was saying about you know, a lot of the defensive rebounding uh, and rebounding issues that they've faced in the, in the past few years. Uh, and, and these players that they've brought in, I, I, I can tell you, I mean, they are very much different um, than honestly just about anything we've really seen um, in the past. So it seems like they're adding an edge. They wanted size uh, and, and athleticism uh, back into the picture. And, and they've gone about it in a very slow way. They still have two scholarships to work with. I think they, they definitely need a point guard um, and, and they've got some options there. And I'll be interested to see how they use that last scholarship if they go with somebody, you know, a, a kind of a combo forward type uh, that they could bring in. Real yeah. quick, real quick. Oh, um, yeah. I was just looking on Ken Palm and uh, SMU ranks 308th in height. Yeah, I, I, I was I didn't know, 308th <laughs> in height. I was I was just going to mention. So like, yeah, this last year of Jankovic was just like them leaning all the way in to just like, because oh, yeah. I mean, you know, weather's Marcus weather started at the like they would run so small 
Because when they got Tristan Clark, I was like, okay, cool. That makes sense. There's their guy. And he came off the bench the whole year. <laughs> like, I yeah. was like, what is happening? Like, I don't know. That was, I do think it was funny because Rob Lanier was not anywhere on my radar. Um, you know, he took over for Ron Hunter at uh, Georgia State. The Sun Belt's kind of a conference I know. And so he took over a solid program and kind of maintained it. But they more or less like threw out all the offense that like Ron Hunter did. And it was just like, all right, we're just going to go size. We're going to go defense. And we're just going to like really maximize that side. And so seeing SMU kind of go from what last year was, which is like, we're going to try to maximize Kendrick Davis and just put him with a bunch of shooters and uh, seeing what they're building now is like, oh my God, I don't know how this year's going to go at all. Yeah. It, it's wild. I mean, we talk about it on our message board uh, on the Pony Express and you know, people are like, well, where's the scoring going to come from? I'm like, okay, guys, I don't know where it's going to come from. I really <laughs> right. don't. But what I can say is that it is, again, kind of that 180. You know, it's back to the – It's it at least looks like that they want to win games, you know, 62-61 or something, you know, something like that. Um, so it's a, it's just – it's a, an adjustment period. Um, mm-hmm. and, and who knows if it works out. Um, and that's like you mentioned the, the, the size, I mean, Tristan Clark did battle some injuries, um, or his knee kind of acting up on him. I think they, you know, wanted a, uh, you know, would have hoped for a little bit more out of him. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, the, they lean completely into the honestly positionless, um, basketball outside of, uh, Kendrick Davis running the point. It was pretty wild. Yeah. I think, uh, his Georgia state teams, I want to say nobody averaged more than 15, and so it was a lot of like 14, 13, 12 guys. Um, and they kind of had, they had, they had some all conference players, but it was never, it was no one to the level of Kendrick Davis or even going back to Georgia state teams before him, like uh, um, RJ Hunter, things like that. There was no like dominant score of his team. So I kind of agree that that's kind of where, where it's going to kind of lean. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's what gave Gonzaga some issues in the tournament when Georgia state played them. It was a really yeah, balanced yeah. attack. And that's what Mark few was like, this isn't a 16 seed, which, you know, yeah. I agree with. So um, I do want to get into the Zach Nuttall situation a little, a little bit more because it's so interesting uh, for us being a Texas podcast and watching him at, at, at Sam Houston, just fill it up on, mm-hmm. on demand. Well, Joe, we had Joe Golding on uh, the beginning of the year. We, mm-hmm. we asked like, Hey, what's it like being in the conference USA and not having to play Nuttall? He's like, Oh my God. Like, well, like he couldn't stop yes. raving about Zach Nuttall. <laughs> yeah. And so we were like, okay, that's the one, two punch you need there with Davis and Nuttall. And it just never came around. I mean, what, what did, what did you see? what did you hear? Just what, what made it so tough for him to, to get going? Yeah, I, I think he's, uh, somebody that was thrown into a situation that on paper for him probably was a dream, you know, get to play with his buddy Kendrick Davis um, who could set him up for, you know, a huge final year and then probably ride off to this into the sunset together professionally, honestly. Um, And I I think with Kendrick, you know, being very much uh, somebody that runs his own show um, and has that, had that freedom under Tim Jankovic, that it didn't necessarily set up Zach for the best situations. You know, his shot struggled. He did improve a lot defensively uh, late in the year, which I think was a big, big part um, of them having a chance to make the NCAA tournament. He kind of stepped it up defensively, um, coming off the bench a little bit. Um, and and I, th- I just think he's somebody that, um, you know, he, he just did. He just couldn't find his way in the first season. Uh, and, and it just wasn't the right fit. Uh, this is where 
we get into the if Zach Nuttall can find his his old self, I mean, this SMU team honestly looks very, very different going into this season now. Yeah. Uh, because you know, averaging six and six and three a game, I think is what he finished with. That's not necessarily something that's you know gonna gonna really help at a at a high level, of course. Um, but they need him to be that guy that he was at Sam Houston and and um, you know, not necessarily fill it up like that, you know, like you mentioned, Ish, uh, you know, Rob Lanier's team's very balanced, but they need more. They need they need him to to take that next step. And you know, one thing that I've kind of noticed from talking with people around the country is that at the very least, Rob Lanier is going to coach you very, very hard, and his staff is going to coach you very, very hard, and you're going to see some improvement if you buy in. And that's kind of something that you know most people have you know impressed upon me when talking about um, what to expect. And so I think Zach, not all. I mean, uh, name is I think Andre Owens, um, if I have it all right in my head, was hired uh, from Sam Houston as the director of recruiting for SMU. I'll try to pull that up right now, just so I'm not misspeaking on that. Uh, but that's a familiar face uh, for um, you know Zach Nuttall. Uh, yeah, he was with uh, with uh, Zach at, at Sam Houston. So maybe a familiar face who was an assistant at Sam Houston really helps him find his game uh, and kind of helps him just, you know, settle back in uh, to a situation where he probably put too much pressure on himself as well. Yeah, I think that when I was watching, every time I watched him, he looked like a guy that wasn't used to being the spot up guy, right? Because, you know, Kendrick Davis has the ball so much. Everything runs through him. And it's one thing to go from a Sam Houston where you are the bar, you know, he, he didn't get, he was never a playmaker per se, but he had the ball in his hands at Sam Houston. And to go from getting 15 to 20 shots to five to 10, right. And you have to, you have to hit those five to 10 to kind of make it worthwhile. I mean, that's, it's a very different uh, uh, kind of adjustment mentally, I think. And I wouldn't be shocked if he does take a step forward this year. And like, I don't know if he'll get to the 20 point score that he was at uh, Sam Houston, but if he gets to that 15 ish mark, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be stunned at all, especially if you mentioned like Rob Lanier and his staff kind of uh, coach him up a little bit more to, uh, to maybe where it isn't just like, Hey, you're going to have these eight to 10 shots and you better hit, you know, seven of them automatically. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, just having that confidence that, you know, maybe you're, you're still going to get looks, you know, mm -hmm. because you, ha you, you take less, you know, you take better shots. You know, that was one yeah, yeah. thing I thought SMU really struggled with throughout kind of the back end of, of Tim Jankovic's tenure was, was poor slot, shot selection. And then it caused a run. I think SMU was one of the, I think along with LSU, uh, Matty B might know this, uh, one of the top 10 teams in terms of 10 point runs and 10 point mm -hmm. runs against. Yeah. I think they were one of those teams that yeah, was I saw those on Twitter, Jekyll, yeah. Jekyll and Hyde. Um, yeah. and, and I think a part of that often stemmed from a bad shot and it turns into a run uh, for the other team um, yeah. losing momentum like that. Yeah. yeah. LSU was definitely up there in that, in that, in that category. They, I think they might've been first. I knew I was right on LSU. <laughs> they they might've been first. <laughs> it was that awful. <laughs> Um, all right, so I want to make sure, sure we're, we, we get this clear. The players who are not on the team from last year are Michael and Marcus Weathers, correct? Correct. Um, Tristan Clark. Correct. Um, Kendrick Davis, obviously. Emmanuel Bandamel entered the transfer portal. He, yep, he, he's probably not coming back from what I've heard. And then Isaiah JC uh, graduated as well. Okay, all right. Um, and Jamar Young was a rotational guy um, that – it's kind of one of those funny things about the Tim Jankovic era. Never got an answer uh, if he was on scholarship or not, but he came as a walk-on. He was awarded a scholarship and then 
Yeah. So <laughs> just knew he's over there. He's on the team. He's on the team. Yeah, he's, he's there. He's playing. So does he count yeah. towards the 13? I don't know. He's just I don't know. There. I know he's um, there. now uh one player um as we start to get to the end here that I'm I'm excited for Zerch Philip Zerch Phelps is back, correct? Yes. Yes, he, absolutely. He showed he showed flashes to me that that excited me. Um, what do you think of his game and what, what he could potentially do for this team? Yeah, I mean, his development's going to be huge um, for the team, the, the, the team's uh, future this season um, and beyond. Because, you know, played in, in 32 games, 3.8 points, 1.9 rebounds, one assist a game. I mean, when you're the backup point guard to Kendrick Davis, it's, it's not really surprising. Yeah. Um, he battled some injuries this year as well and played through it. He had a really ugly injury. I think it was against Houston um, that affected him for the uh, AAC tournament as well. Uh, but that one, you know, he had already been playing through it. I think it was a quad, uh, you know, tissue um, type of injury from what, from what I was told. Uh, but he played through a lot of that this year. So if he's able to get healthy and, again, kind of take that second leap, he reminds me in a way of, a, of Sterling Brown, but at the point guard position. You know, it doesn't have the size Sterling had. Um, but but kind of similar freshman years, um, Sterling kind of fell off a little bit there late in the year uh, as a freshman. And we see that a lot. Uh, but I, I think you look back on his run, you know, Zurich's improved a lot over the course of his career, ended up being Mr. Basketball in Texas um, after he led Duncanville to a state championship. I mean, he's a leader. He's He's got that toughness. He's got that edge. Um, him being able to you know, take the next step in his game is going to be hugely important to this team. I'm very high on his future. Uh, but like, like I said, his development over the course of this offseason is critical to the team's success next year. Yeah, I think he was somebody who it made sense why he didn't get more playing time because of just who the personnel was. But uh, the fact that he was able to punch into that rotation at all to me shows kind of what what he uh, what they saw of him at Duncanville and I, I was somebody who I followed a little bit and was kind of surprised that SMU was able to get him because I think that that was somebody who in a couple of years were a lot, some power five schools are going to be like how did this guy kind of slip under the radar playing for a powerhouse high school in Texas yeah they got him they got him signed early they saw saw what honestly a lot of people saw over the course of his senior year they got him signed early um mm. offered him and were on him it was honestly one of the rare situations where uh, Tim Jankovic and his staff were on a prospect in Texas, especially so early. And it looked like it was going to be, a, you know, a star, a budding star situation. And they got him on board. Um, kind of the same thing for them with Alex on uh, who ended mm -hmm. up being you know huge for McKinney is going to Texas now um, mm -hmm. and, and back out of things when the coaching change uh, happened. But, you know, that, that Zurich Phelps signing was a big one for them and, and uh, they had a good eye on him. Now, I'm I'm not gonna ask for for a prediction or anything like Undefe that. Undefeated, 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 yeah. undefeated. There it is. There it is. Uh, that's easy, easy, easy. I mean, and they don't even have to fill the last two scholarships. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> where you go. Roll the one of two of us out there. Yeah, yeah. A, a year in a year into LSU, I, I gotta start. I gotta start taking in taking into you taking um. <laughs> under what what you what you do you know undefeated just gotta start yeah, undefeated it. It. they're getting all the five stars and they're and they're going undefeated yeah that's i gotta i gotta start learning like, i gotta i, I do want to ask like how weird is it gonna be for smu fans to you know you gotta play kendrick davis this year like yeah that's good that's gonna be i, I get the nil deal is what it was but like 
to me, I was like, okay, well, Kendrick Davis's last ride, he's going to go to Kansas, right? Or so, you know, somewhere where it's like, he's going to, he's guaranteed to make the tournament. Or go pro. Right. Or go pro, right. Go pro or something like somewhere where it's like, I haven't done this in my career yet, this tangible thing. And, you know, granted Memphis is probably going to be the favorite next year to come out of the, or uh, with Houston, of course, but, um, how weird is that going to be? Like, like, you know, you get a yeah. beloved player going to a conference rival. I'm, I'm very interested, interested to see what reception he gets. Um, yeah. in movie. um, you know, I, I think I'm not, I don't fault him at all. And I'm a big proponent of this in general with players. If, if they feel like they really need to get paid sure. and in this world of NIL, then go get paid. And that's totally fine for that to be your motivation. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's got a son, so I think that's, you know, very important for Kendrick and was important and, and was really why he was even between pro and returning. It was what could he get with NIL versus what he could get going pro. Um, and, you know, I think he found that, uh, quite honestly, Memphis was the only school that was really going to even come close to what he was after NIL-wise. Um, and I talked with multiple coaches across the country about that and, and you know, kind of came back confirmed. Um I would expect his reception to be lukewarm at best um, in movie. Um, never led him to an NCAA tournament. Never led him to an AAC championship. Um, you know, won a player of the year, was a terrific player. But, you know, there were moments in his career where he also kind of faded um, when they needed him most. And so when you go to a conference rival, quite honestly, I expect you to get booed unless you have a championship under your belt. Right. I- yeah, I mean, uh, you, you you see it on message boards all the time where where um you know fans are now like all right well now they're getting paid too and so now they'll really boom so yes. now it's like professional exactly. athletes to a degree. Yep, which is kind of how I view it with them. Yeah, so um kind of going off that, I mean, the last question I have here is kind of about the fan engagement and excitement from SMU, because I feel like we, we never know it's, you know, it's a private school in Dallas and, you know, sometimes you'll see George Bush there and sometimes you'll see some Mavericks uh, uh, players there. And I never know how involved and how engaged the fans are there. Um, You talked about with the Tim Jankovic era, just not, you know, sometimes not connecting with fans that way. Um, Do you see it as a fan base that wants to get more into basketball and is kind of just waiting for that, uh, like, you know, Rob Lanier to to strike a chord with them or uh, just how do you see the fan base at the moment? Yeah, I I think they're obviously ready for a new era. I think, you know, the big thing that they wanted in a coach was a sitting head coach. And so they got that. They hired somebody away, you know, to, to come in who was already a head coach and, um, this it goes back to the year ago they should have made a move and they could have you know probably gotten a better on paper hire um but uh i do think that we saw the fan base starting when when you're winning smu fans will support you we saw this late last year moody had some of its best crowds since before covid um honestly probably the best crowd since before covid uh and it was loud in there and it was a factor we saw it in the houston game um we saw it in the memphis game you know in moody and that's that's how the fan base is. They will support if the team's winning. They had such a horrible start in the comp, in non-conference um, and, and you know, dropped some key games that had them kind of almost on really on life support um, with both the conference chances and the tournament in general. Um, and so it took them reeling off those. I think they won like 
eight straight or something like that mm-hmm. uh, to really get the fans back there. Uh, and if Rob Lanier wins, they're going to support him. I think they are piecing together some some good recruiting wins that people are taking note of. Um, and and once they kind of get their feet on the ground and they're not building a roster anymore, you know, we'll see them kind of uh, jump into, uh, you know, um, you know, engaging with the fan base and, and you know, getting people fired up uh, about SMU basketball again. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all. I think that's all we, we had, man. Uh, yeah. I will say I watched Samuel Williamson in high school. Um, I think he was playing. It was the same regional tournament. I also watched Tyrese Maxey in that tournament. And I was like the Samuel Williamson guy. He's 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 a he was a five star. He was a five star for a reason. I mean, the, he, the, the, he has the gifts. The, the Tyrese Maxey recruitment is just epitome of the Tim Jankovic era right there and blunders. I mean, you hire his dad and he still goes to Kentucky. And they also <laughs> paid his, they also paid his dad like 250 grand to be like director of recruiting. So. Oh, geez. It's, there you go. And then <laughs> didn't, didn't recruit Drew Timmy. I mean, just didn't recruit Marcus Sasser. The assistants wanted him to recruit Drew Timmy and Marcus Sasser, but he didn't like them. So, I mean, just hey. Jalen, uh, Jalen Wilson. Uh, yeah, Jaylen, yeah. All those, I mean, all those, the whole Geyer team, basically. <laughs> like yeah, the, the, the list just, it's incredible. We, oh, man. Man, I, we, we, we could listen to Billy just tell stories about SMU's past, like, 10 years for yeah. – well, like, like this, I mean, time. like the, this year, just like all, I mean, heading into the year, we were excited about just to watch this team, whatever they put out. Yeah. I was we were just excited to, to get about the cast of players. And then like throughout the year where they're up, they're down, they're up, they're down. And it's like, I don't like, they were just legitimately one of the most entertaining teams, good and bad. Like, yeah. just like, I don't know what they are. They're probably good enough to be a tournament team, but they're still not getting the wins they need to like justify that. And just like exactly. it was all over the place. Well, we wanted we wanted them we wanted them to be this like if you're gonna small ball and you're gonna space space it out and pace it yeah. out. We wanted them to be like a top thirty offense or something and like play with pace. They ended up finishing seventieth offense. They were a hundred and seventh in pace, and it was mm-hmm. just like. You know, it felt like he didn't want to go all in or he didn't want to play to the team's clear strength, which was, you know, give Nuttall, give Davis, give these guys um, some freedom to to score the ball. And if, um, even though obviously they did have shot selection freedom in the, in the half court, it just felt yeah. like he didn't really know what to do with the team. That's what it just felt yeah. like watching it from our perspective. Yeah. I don't know. Nailed it. Nailed it, Billy. Nailed it. Good. All right. We'll, we'll end it there. Uh, Billy, we appreciate you um, coming on. Uh, you can follow Billy on Twitter at Billy Embody. Like I said, does great work for on three um, covering LSU and, S- and SMU. Uh, follow Ishmael on Twitter at Ishmael or Johnson. You can follow us on Twitter at DCT basketball. Uh, we just started our YouTube page. So if you're listening on podcast, feel free to check that out as well. Um, Billy's another test subject of that. So made him put on a hat. So we're we're all we're all good. But yeah, thank y'all for joining us and we will talk to y'all later.